<laughs> Brack. Fat. Bork. <laughs> Uh, 
Miguel Ribera was having trouble in uh, Reno, Nevada. There's a rumor out that he serves dog food at his Mexican restaurants. And he's uh, pretty bugged. Ribera said Wednesday he was considering running for the city council so he could get a law passed which would allow people to trace where rumors get started. A rumor about my serving dog food is spread all over. It's not fair. We buy choice meat from local stores. I call this warfare. I don't know where to start fighting. I see Mrs. Wilbur Hall was bitten by her piranha. She's one of these nice ladies, you know, that wears space shoes. Thinks everything is a vegetarian that's allowed to be what he wants to be. Mrs. Hall took her South American tiny little itsy-bitsy silver man-eater out of his 10-gallon aquarium Wednesday to clean the tanky. Old Pat, the piranha, was placed in the pan during the cleaning job. He began flopping around. So fearing the fish was about to flop out of his pan, Mrs. Hall reached down involuntarily. Pat, who usually dines on raw liver and hamburger, saw that big old finger come in there and zappo. Thirteen stitches. Pat is now living in an aquarium with a seven-foot screen on the top. Sneaking up on us everywhere. Everywhere. You know, I tell you, I mean, you know, this is uh, April Fool's Day, right? Well, I had a friend today who almost, he, he just about had it. I mean, the, the, it's the most beautifully realized April Fool gag that I've heard in years. I almost brought, uh, you know, I almost brought Martha Dean in to do my show tonight. It would have been certainly a fine joke. I don't know who the joke would have been on, but nevertheless, uh, I, uh, this friend of mine, see, I called him late this afternoon, and I got him on the phone. And you can always tell when there's trouble or there's, you know, confusion in the guy's mind. His voice reflects it. His vo- Yes, oh, yes. Your voice is a very accurate uh, reflection of the inner you. And uh, his voice was kind of shallow. That's the only way I can say it. I said, what's the matter, Norm? Well, he's a PR type. Well, PR types are normally nervous. It's the nature of their calling. And being a PR man is, in many ways, more dangerous than uh, being a deep-sea diver. At least you know what the enemy is when you're a deep-sea diver. It's all them things with the suckers on them. You know how to handle those things. I've always kind of been scared of things that had suckers on them. Oh, yeah. Oh. Boy, just to think about it makes me, you know... It makes me, uh... Well, not much, really, but I, I just... Let's put it this way, that I wouldn't go out of my way to meet a thing that has suckers on the end of its feelers. Reminds me of a... Oh, well, that's something else. I don't want to get into that, but... Uh, no, no, no. I don't wish to get into areas that could cause uh, difficulties. But that, nevertheless... What do you mean? Are you talking about the guy that works up on the 23rd floor? That's not his problem. What are you doing? You're putting the guy's birthright down? Not his fault. He's got six arms. And no brain. I mean, he's one of the lower invertebrates. And there's nothing one can do about it. If you're born without, you know, there's not much you can do about it. But this friend of mine, I call him up, saying, I said, what's the matter? And he says, he's got this weak, sounding voice. He said, oh. And I said, what happened? He said, well, I'm still shattered. Oh, boy. I said, what happened? 
He says, this first time, he says, if it wasn't so beautifully done, I shot somebody. He says, but I have to admit that, that, the, that the, this April Fool gag was magnificently done. I said, well, what did he do to you? He said, what's my family of all things? I said, well, what happened? He said, well, you know what I do every morning? I get up, see, and I take a shower. I go into the shower stall there, and I start taking a shower. He says, 7.30 in the morning. And I don't have to get down to work till you know, quarter to nine. He said, I like to get up a little early and take a shower and all. He said, so I'm this morning in the in the shower stall, showering away. And he said, all of a sudden I hear this voice coming up the stairs, you know, from downstairs. It's my kid's voice. He says, Mr. Bullard is here, Dad! He said, Mr. Bullard is here. 7.30 in the morning, Bullard is this dynamic, angry, rotten, loud-mouthing boss. What's Bullard doing here at 7.30 at my house? It's, he'd never been in my house before. He said, so I, I, I opened the door to shower him and the water's coming down of my head and I says, and he said there's a pause and then finally his wife's voice says Mr. Bullard is here Mr. Bullard from the office he said oh my god he's, he's back in the shower not 730 he's, you know he's got a beard he's, he hasn't shaved right now. he's just panicked he's, what's his boss doing here at 730 and he, he knows that there has been talk around the office you know of reorganization <laughs> holy god you know so he's taking a shower wildly. And he's running around. He says, Tell him I'll be right down. I'm taking a shower. And he finishes. He's taking his, you know, with the towel and all that. And then his kid starts knocking on the door. Dad. You better hurry, Dad. So tell him I'm, I'll be right out. I'll be right out. Well, he, he combs his hair a little bit. And his hair is dripping. saying he takes a real rotten shave. He says, have you ever tried to shave in 12 seconds? He says, those idiotic commercials, man, make it look like it's fun. He says, I sliced an actual filet off my left cheek. He says, you know, I could have breaded it and fried it. He says, it's fantastic. He says, I lost a pound and a half, just like that. And his blood is squirting. He's got John paper all over him. He's white. He puts, he puts all kinds of, you know, he's, he's pouring aqua velva to stop the bleeding. He says, tell me right down. Hey, uh, I'll, I'll be right down. So he runs out of the door now, and he's got on his terry cloth robes, and he says he got halfway down the steps, and he realizes this idiotic, silly terry cloth robe that his mother sent up her birthday two years ago that has got a bunny on the pocket. So, you know, he doesn't want to see Bullard with his bunny robe on, so he runs back up against, and he frantically, he's looking for his grown-up robes. <laughs> he finally finds it. He comes, he comes running down. He rushes down into the living room, see. He's, he's really worried now. It's Now it's about ten minutes to eight, see. He rushes down the living room. He, thinks, oh, you know, he tries to be very calm. He walks in. Uh, Hello, Charlie, Alice. And his wife comes out of the kitchen and says, he's gone. Is he gone? She says, yes, he got kind of mad and he left. He said, I don't know what was bugging him. He was very mad. He wouldn't say anything to me. And he said, if you, it wasn't important enough for you to come down, that he just, uh, he'll see you at the office if he has time. And now he's really... And nobody says a word. He's, they're sitting down and they're eating. And, of course, and he's toying with his... He's toying with his Fruit Loops this morning, you know. And usually he just knocks them down. He loves to do that. He, like, you know, he has a lot of fun in the morning with his Fruit Loops that he puts his... You know, puts raisins on them. And he, he likes to get down to the bottom of the Fruit Loops where they have these little plastic submarines. And it's just nothing. So he just ate the submarine and all. He didn't... He's messing around. And he's worried. So he doesn't want to say anything. And his wife says, well... What did he want? He says, well, that's all. You know, he he, I forgot all about it. He told me he was going to drop by this morning. I, You know, it's the Grubbage account. He wanted to pick up the brochure that I've been working on. He said, uh, oh, you know, I'll talk to him when I get to the office. So all the way 
all the way to work, he's sweating. What the hell did Bullard want? And he tiptoes into his office and runs like mad through the parking lot. It's 9 o'clock. He has to be in work. So he, boy, he makes it on time. He sits down in his office. There's nothing. He sits with his girls there. And uh, he looks at his mail. There's nothing in the interplant mail. He finally sees his girl out there. He says, hey, excuse me, Emily. Yes. Uh, did Bullard call this morning? Yeah, Mr. Bullard, did he call this morning? No. Oh. Well, he said they wheeled in the coffee because they had, he said we have a coffee break from 9.10 to roughly, oh, quarter to 11, something like that. And he says they wheeled in the coffee and uh, he got his usual uh, coconut pistachio uh, sweet roll that he gets, the one that comes with the cherry on the top. See, so he got this thing and Usually he just gulps it down, see, and he, he usually gets it on three different floors. He makes every floor. He hits the coffee wagon on every floor and buys another one, see. So he says, I, I just so worried, he says, I didn't even eat my, you know, my pistachio coconut thing, so I'm sitting there waiting. So I know he's going to call. So, so finally I took the bull by the horns. I picked up the phone. He says, I dialed his number, Bullard's number, which is 203, you see, on the interplant phone. He says, I dialed it. <laughs> And he said his girl, Suzanne, picked it up. Mr. Bullard's office. He said, that, look, uh, Suzanne, is he there? Who? He says, well, what do you mean, who? Is he there? Just one moment, please. Old Massey is calling. She knows me perfectly. What do you mean, who is calling? All the pieces are beginning to fall in together. May I tell him who is calling, please? Tell him Normie boy is calling. Oh, you made Mr. Dunn? Yes, Mr. Dunn. Yes, that's great. Right. One moment, please. Click. And then he used the phone go up. Oh, what do you want? So, <laughs> CG, uh, uh, I, I, uh, did, by the way, uh, I'm sorry, I, there was a pause. He couldn't think of what to say. CG says, if it's not important to you, as far as I'm concerned, you go to hell. I already done it 25 minutes. Click. Oh. Oh. Well, now he's really scared. What to do, see? So I figure he's going to try another try. And he's going to call him back about five minutes from now. He waits. He says that five minutes went by like six months. He didn't want to look too anxious, see? Call him back in five minutes. <laughs> so he dials 203. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mr. Bullard's office? Uh, hello, Sue. Uh, this is uh, Norm back again. Uh, is he in, uh, please? I've got something I want to talk about. One moment, please, Mr. Dunn. <laughs> it ain't going up. Uh, his talk ain't going up, see? Another click. Look, Dunn, I don't have no time to talk to you! Zap, he's gone. Well, he said... He got up, and, and he noticed that his girl, Emily, was doing something she has never done before. She has stopped fixing her nails before 11. He said Emily has a regular routine. From 9.05 to exactly 5 minutes to 11, she fixes her nails. And then from 11 to quarter to 12, she puts her hair up in rollers. And from quarter to 12 to 3, she's out to lunch. Well, she isn't doing her hair, and she's got the bottom of her 
drawer of her desk open, the big dress. He says, you know, this is where all the stuff is kept. He says, what are you doing, Em? Well, I, I, uh, I'm just cleaning my desk out. Just cleaning your desk? What's the matter? Well, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm uh, moving to another floor. It's, uh, you know, the moving. He says, you're moving? Yeah, they're sending you somebody from the pool. Oh, God. He runs back into his office now, and he says, this is exactly where it works. He says, you know, this is the way this outfit does it. He says, it is not a matter of just lopping off your head. He says, they start with your fingernails. This is W.R. New York. You guys okay? All right, good. He says, they start with your fingernails. He says, your firing usually takes three days, and they pluck your nails out first, and they'd start on pulling your toenails. Then somebody rips off an ear. He says, then when you begin bleeding to death, just when you're about to die, they put a very, very tight tourniquet on your neck. And he says, I figure this is it. He says, so I go down to the executive lunchroom. It is now 1230. He says, nothing has happened all day, and he's worried. And you seem to be so worried. What's going on? It's okay. He says, so we, ru we rush down. So I go downstairs to the executive lunchroom. He says, now every day, all the boys from the PR department eat together, see. Bullard. He says, there's Chucky. There's Johnson, a couple of the other guys. He said, we all eat at this table. He said, so here is Bullard sitting there. He's with the big boss. He's got Johnson with him and Chucky. And they're sitting at a table for four. So I walk up and I said, oh, oh hi, gang. Uh, you mind if I pull up a chair? And he said, uh, Bullard looks up and says, uh, excuse me, Norm, but... Uh, we're, we're, we're uh, talking something over. Oh, my God. I've been here seven years. He said, I ain't missed a day eating at that big, long table. So I sit over by the window where they got the Venetian blinds, and I sit down. He says, and I start toying with my, with my Twinkie, which comes out of the machine. This is my paper cup with my coffee. But so after work, you know, after lunch, I go back up to the office. And my, you know, I'm sitting there worried. I, I figure, well, this is it. I've got to, I've got to tell, I've got to tell Mildred, my wife, there's some problems. So I pick up the phone, see, and he says, I dial her. So I get, get Mildred on the phone. He says, Mil, she says, yes, that, um, you know what we were talking about last week about that uh, about that house we saw out in Brentwood, Golden Isles? She said, yes. Said, uh, you better call Mr. Grubbage. Tell him we're thinking it over, okay? Said, What's the matter? Trouble. He whispers, there's something going on here. I don't know what it is. Myself. It's all over. It's all over. Little Paisley's gonna have to come back from that private school. We can't afford no private school no more. I don't care whether Paisley's gotta learn how to ride horses or anything. We can't do it. He said, I begin to feel myself getting hysterical. Says, uh, you know, says my daughter Paisley, who's twelve, goes to the six thousand dollar a month private school. 
where they teach you how to jump up and down on horses. He said, very important for Paisley to know how to jump up and down on horses. So I hung up. So I figured, well, there's no sense in hanging around the office. I mean, I might as well get the hell out of here. He said, I get in my car. I said, I tried, tried to drive out of the out of the out of the parking lot. He says, I'm, you know, he says, I'm, this is it. So I'm driving out. He says, all of a sudden I see Bullard's car. He's blocking the driveway, and he's backing up. So I figured I'm gonna have kind of you know, trying to make a little few points with him and say, hello, ICG. And Bullard just looks at me. Will you move that crook right away? Well, you know, I bought an identical car like Bullard has because, you know, you. I mean, you know, don't want to, don't want to stir up the water there. And he said, I just start driving out, and he said, Bullard jumps out of his car, just as I'm driving out, and he hollers, Hey, North! Hey, you son! He said, Stop the car! April Fools! You idiot! I haven't had. He says, all of a sudden, 500 heads stick out of the windows of the offices. And they all start to... Go, <laughs> and oh. Oh, God. Where will cruelty ever stop in this world, friends? We are all piranhas. Every one of us. Oh, man-eaters, feeding off our own flesh. They're honest, evil creatures with suckers. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's start getting these ding-dogs. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Palisades has a ride, Palisades has a fun. Come on over. Shows and dancing are free, so the parking so gee. Come on over. Palisades from coast to coast, where a dime buys the most. Palisades amusement park swings all day and after dark. You'll have fun, so, so come, come on over. Rasmuthes, Palisades Amusement Park. Oh, he smokes it open Saturday. With the robin comes Palisades and all those people riding up and down on those nutty rides. So come on over. Palisades opens this Saturday. And now the big old machine grinds on. Some men build, some men weave, and some men fish the seas. Some men drink, some men dance, while others fell the trees. I was born a soldier, there's a drum beat in my heart. My country needs the army, and I'm here to do my part. For the location of your nearest army representative, call 800-243-6000, toll free. Let's see here, we have a note from Long Champs. Let's see, uh, taking the kids to uh, the greatest show on earth? What is the greatest show out there? Some guy came... They keep talking about the greatest show on earth. And somebody said... Uh, the other day, I asked what it was, you know. And somebody said, what's that show down there on 2nd Avenue? The one that... You know, the one that's just in from Denmark. So, 
But I think they mean that one. It says, if you're taking the kids to the greatest show on earth, here's great news about where to take them for lunch or dinner. The famous Steer Palace presents a three-ring family plan, which means the first child under 12 gets his lunch or dinner free. The second kid is only half a buck. And every other kid under 12 eats for half price. So if you've got scoffing kids, that ain't bad, especially at the Steer Palace with its luxurious old San Francisco rooms, like the authentic old varnish private railroad car, the observation car platform, and the billiard room. There'll be free balloons and bags of exploding peanuts for the kids. The Steer Palace family plan applies at luncheon and dinner during the run of the circus. Steer Palace is at 2 Penn Plaza, 2 Penn Plaza, right at Madison Square Garden. The, the elephants and bowls and stuff run right through the kitchen. For reservations, call 889 I'd like to talk to all the gals out there who color treat their hair. You probably colored your hair to get that special look you wanted. But you should know that color treated hair is special hair with special problems, and it needs special attention. The kind you can give it with new Rebuild Instant Conditioner for color-treated hair. You see, hair coloring can make it dry, brittle, dull, and lifeless. The end split. Rebuild was made especially to solve those problems. It's a super-rich formula of milk proteins, amino compounds, and deep penetrating conditioners. Even if you've been coloring your hair for years, the very first application of Rebuild goes right to work to correct your color-treated hair problems. You'll be amazed at the results. Results you can actually see and feel. Your hair will feel stronger and healthier, yet soft and natural. It will feel and act years younger. And all it takes is a few minutes after every shampoo. So take a beauty tip from me and get Rebuild Instant Hair Conditioner for color-treated hair. From Bonat, the hair care people. la da da Hey, speaking of restaurants, if you like, uh, hey... Gee, that's one of those TV diseases, you know. Split ends of your hair. I know a lady that braids her split ends. Let's see, we have uh, a note here from Great Shanghai, the old crowd up at the 103rd and Broadway. And uh, if you're looking for really spectacular... It's all actually old Shanghai. It's up there. Food is great. 103rd and Broadway. And uh, they have their uh, Chinese brunch. Brunch. Excuse me, I've been uh, reading Charlie Chan's quotations lately. Chairman Chan, you know, I love his quotations. He who eat at Chinese restaurants often have... And uh, that one's been censored. However, the great Shanghai is great. It is, and that's why they call it that. And uh, there's several. Well, now, you, you've got great Shanghai written there, so I presume you're talking about the one down on 13th Street. No? You better give me the copy. There's three of them, you know, on... <laughs> She, she's writing it down. They're all groovy, though. And they're all the same crowd. And the food is all good. We're, we're, we're trying to uh, see which one now we're going to send you to. Uh-oh, there's very angry writing going on in there. Wait, how do you make your hair make those sparks? That's great. 103rd and Broadway. Well, that's not called Great Shanghai. It is not. Okay, I'll say that. The Great Shanghai is at 103rd and Broadway. And uh, No, it's not called that up there. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm kidding you. Great Shanghai. <laughs> it's, it's April Fool. I'm playing, you know, come on. Gee whiz, you guys. You get sucked right in here. That's the quicksand of life it's sucking, sucking you in. Well, all jesting aside, if you've never been up to the Great Shanghai, friends, 
I mean, if they, they really have. It's a, it's a tradition here in New York, and I feel kind of silly talking about it. You know, it's like telling people how groovy the Empire State Building is or something, you know? Silly. No, no, generations of Columbia students have plotted revolution in Great Shanghai every night. The food is great, and uh, it's if you like really fine northern Chinese food particularly, and uh, a lot of people just think, you know, there's stuff called Chinese food. What they're really talking about is Chicago chop suey, which was Al Capone's favorite dish. His mother created it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the real Chinese food, if you like really good northern Chinese food at great prices, and it's a huge, wonderful, interesting place, it's at 103rd and Broadway. And every Sunday, they have their spectacular Chinese brunch, which means, that's an old Chinese word, you know. It means, uh, well, uh, you know, the kids listening. So, But nevertheless, it's uh, at 103rd and Broadway, and their big brunch is from 11 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon on Sunday. And you cool in there, man, and you can just start eating they, all you want. You know, they have six entrees and the whole bit. And you can just keep eating. And if you're a kid under four feet tall, you can, you know, it's only $2 and a half. A kid under four feet tall, they hit you with a mallet when you come in and knock you down under that four feet. And then after that, have your old man, you know, uh, put the, put the uh, wine press on you and squinch you down to three feet, after which point you can eat for half price. It's kind of good. 103rd and Broadway, the RIT comes right up there. Now, you okay? Everybody cool in there? Very. <laughs> I alarmed them. <laughs> you see, the, the efficacy of any kind of practical joke is the straight-facedness with which you play it. Most people start giggling in the middle. You know, they hand, they hand bullet an exploding cigar, and they, then they have to put their hand over their face and go, <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> Forget it. That's no... That's a... Uh, you you got to learn how to tell a joke, friends. You tell it very straight-faced. For example, the other day, I'm sitting in a restaurant with my friend Bob Alden, who uh, is just a friend of mine. Seeing Bob, Bob is a born patsy. He really is. Bob, Bob really is. You know, it wasn't until Bob was over 22 that he he really discovered that the world really wasn't flat. And uh, you know, because he had an uncle once when he was 12, said so the world is made out of a straw hat, and he bought it. And uh, he, for a long time, he still has, you know, he, have, he has little doubts about it. But I'm sitting there with him in a restaurant, say, and uh, I, I'm, I'm leaning back, being expansive. See, I, after, after lunch, uh, I'm not a smoker type, see, but after lunch, I always smoke these uh, candy cigars. I got into the habit when I was three, and I like them. They're these little white cigars with the little red thing on the end, seeing so I light up a candy cigar, seeing them sitting there. You get you these little candy cigarettes, they're kind of nice. Uh, once in a while, on a, on a, on a, you know, when there's a holiday around, I'll smoke a chocolate cigar at a table. But generally, it's, it's the candy cigarettes I like, you know, the kind of little white thing. So I, I sit back and uh, leaning back, you know, expansively, and I cross my legs. And Bob said, say, those are elegant boots you're wearing there. He said, those are very nice. Where did you get those? And there's a pregnant pause, and I take a couple of drags of my candy cigarette. I said, well, I, I'm... Oh, they're my boots. Oh, oh I, I made them. And uh, there were two other guys at the table. I just said, oh, I bought these, I made these. And then there was a long pause, and they continued to talk about the salary or whatever it is that guys talk about at these table luncheons. And finally, one guy says, no, Kenny, do you make your boots? Yeah. He said, well, how did you, you learn to make boots? So, well, I made this shirt, too. It's no kidding. Hey, that's not bad. 
I did think the collar was kind of lumpy, but you're not any bad. You made it yourself? Where'd you learn how to do that? So we're coming to kit. He's comes with a kit. I says, yeah. You know, there's a, there's a place over on 53rd Street. Right up 6th Avenue. See, to, to make your to, to make your gags work, you got to be very detailed. See? I says, yeah, the place over on 6th uh, Avenue, or up 53rd Street, right off of 6th. I said, you've seen that place for crying out loud. They sold, uh, what was it they sold there before? There was a, there was a, a, a yeah, there was a, there was a, an Indian restaurant there. They closed up. And about a year ago, this place opened up. It's called You Sew It. Well, yeah, I saw that place. Yeah. He said, I saw that, yeah. By the way, there's no such place. If, you, if, you, if you're good enough with what you do, you can convince guys the world is, you know, an ice cube. And uh, I says, yeah, yeah, well, you know, the place. I says, you ought to go in there sometimes. Very interesting. So they've got shirt kits. They've got uh, tie kits. You can make your own jockey shorts. Uh, I says, you know, actually, the stuff that is groovy. I says, you notice the, the seams on this? And they're all leaning forward. I says, they're not sewed, actually. You see, it's, it's, you make them like a model airplane. It comes with a special fabric glue. And it comes all cut. And uh, the plans, and you put it out on the table, the card table, and I make shirts. You glue them together, just like an airplane. And Bob says, hey, that's a fantastic idea. I said, well, look at these shoes here. I said, no, look at these. I said, oh, this is the second, actually the second pair that I made. I said, the other pair that I got are low cut. This is the second pair. I said, now, you'd swear that those, that those were stitched. And he says, yeah, look at that. I said, no, you see, actually, that's glued in there. And it comes, and it comes all in a kit, just like a model airplane. And uh, you just glue these things, and they come with these little clamps, and it's a lot of fun. You can you can dye them any color you want. It comes with there's about five different colors of dye. I could make them mahogany, or I could make them uh, cow cap skin or I says, no, this is what they call uh, dark natural. I said, how do you like that? He said, that's fantastic. And he turns to his buddy. He says, hey George, wait, wait, look, why don't we why don't we get out, leave the office early? He said, I want to go up there. I said, listen, you ought to see what they have. They have, they have a thing called a uh, Make a hat. I said, you can make your own 10-gallon hats and stuff. It's just great. They have all the stuff up there. Make jockey shorts. And he was astounded. Well, <laughs> I don't want to tell you. For the last, oh, I'd say, week and a half, he and George have been running up and down 53rd Street on their lunch hour looking for this place. Of course, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to spill the beans. Not at all. Oh, by the way, the one I, I, you have to embellish this. See, so I'm walking along, and I said, uh, I said after, I said after a while, uh, you learn there's a lot of shortcomings. I said, you know, the one, the, one of the problems with this, you got to stay out of the rain, because this stuff tends to dissolve, and it would be a hell of a mess if your shirt fell off, because the rain came. I said, it's all right in general. I said, there's a special kind of waterproof glue you can get, but I don't have the waterproof glue. I have what comes with the kit. And it just hung there. Another legend is born. <laughs> Shepard makes his own clothes. Well, hell, listen, I know a guy that, that started a legend that his hobby was making false teeth. And uh, he learned how to make false teeth. He claimed that he was a dental technician in the Army. And they taught him how to make false teeth. And at night he would go home and make bridges and plates. And uh, he, had a, he had an upper plate. And he'd got his uh, upper teeth or something kicked out in a hockey game one time. He used to take his plate out all the time. He'd go, 
like that. So, and uh, he says, you know, I made these. And the guy said, dumbfounded. <laughs> well, people, people, uh, it's kind of cruel, you know. Uh, people will, uh, but nevertheless, uh, it's all it's all part of the you know it's all part of the the uh, piranha in us all. Uh, but the, you can you can do other uh, gags like this. Uh, you, you have to play it absolutely straight, absolutely cool, and straight. Uh, like uh, one one day, for example, this friend of mine is sitting at the table, and his uh, wife uh, had just left. Unbelievable looking chick. I mean, she was fantastic. Just a wild looking chick. And we're sitting around there, and one of the guys says to him, Hey, young, by the way, where did you uh, meet uh, Agatha? He said, Well, it's a funny thing. He said, I'll tell you, uh, you know, that's a real funny thing. He said, You know, I don't often want to talk about it. He said, But you're all friends of mine. I'll just tell you what happened. He said, I uh, picked up the phone book one night. He said, I was just sitting there looking around in the phone book, looking for a friend of mine in the book. And uh, I'm going up down the line there, and he said, I couldn't find his name in the book. And I ran across this name here, Agatha Schmugenhasser. And he says, well, I figured uh, since uh, she would be right above him in the number of listings there, I'd just give her a call. So you mean you just call somebody in a book like that? Yeah. He so I, I dialed the number, and this chick comes on the phone and says, hello. And uh, he says, hello, uh, Agnes. Would you marry me? And everybody's sitting at the table looking. They're dumbfounded. And uh, would you marry me, honey? And she says, yes, of course. What's your name? He said, well, I'll meet you at the corner of the 12th and Vine. You could tell me I'm driving a 53 Galaxy. Burns oil. You tell there's a little smoke on in the back. He said, so we got married that afternoon. It's worked out. He established a legend that afternoon. I happen to know, of course, all <laughs> the true story of him. <laughs> Although I will tell you, oh, before we get on, uh, no, 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 no. We just played that thing. We'll wait a little bit. No, no, honey. You better believe me. It's okay. Um, you know, I'll tell you, though, speaking of legends, uh, I see. I saw a, a little note that came in off the UP the other day uh, where there was a guy sitting... In, don't tell me that. Don't worry about it. There's a guy sitting in the bar. All his friends are sitting around, see? And this guy spit on the floor. He just spit on the floor in the bar. And what he spit? He spit out a bullet. He spit out a 38 caliber bullet which had slammed into his head, ricocheted off his cheekbone, bounced into his jawbone, bounced off of his teeth, landed in his mouth, and then he just spit it out. And when his friend, who had shot him in the head, appeared in court, uh, the guy that spit out the bullet would not press charges. He says, I didn't think he intended to do it. And the two old longtime drinking buddies left the courtroom heading back to the Bluebird Tavern together. Well, I want to tell you, I want to tell you that's not so funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I read this thing, and I thought to myself, now, where have I seen that before? I, I, in, in a movie one time, I saw a movie. I'll, I'll give you a brass figure if you can tell me what the name of the movie was. It was a comedy. It was a movie, and it had, a, it had uh, uh, this comedy character in it. There were a lot of comedy characters in it, but it was a comedy character, and they're, they're in a... They're in a battle. It's the Western. They're, it's a Western, say. And it's a gun battle. So the bad guy at the other end of the corral goes, boom, boom. And he really lays it out, say. With that, the, 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 uh, the, the funny guy staggers back. <laughs> He's been shot. 
And with that, he goes, Pikawi! And out comes a bullet. <laughs> he spits the bullet out. <laughs> well, as a kid, that really impressed me. Now, what movie was this? Do any of you remember that? Why do I have a memory for that kind of stuff? Jonas Meckes never saw that movie. Rex Reed never saw that one. Andrew Saris doesn't even know that scene exists. But it's, a, it's been emblazoned in my mind ever since I saw it, and I must have been three. The guy staggers back. He pow, pow. <laughs> he staggers back. Neil goes, you're hit, you're hit. He says, what? White patooey. Out comes this big forty-five slug. <laughs> He's Come on, let's go. Let's go. That's it. That's it. Thank you. I knew you'd do it, Marty. Come on over. Show some dancing in our free social parking. So, gee, come on over. Palisades from coast to coast. Where a fine buys the most. Palisades amusement park. Swings all day yet after dark. Let's go. So, come on over. Yeah, they're opening Saturday. That's uh, the Palisades Amusement Park. They're opening Saturday. All kinds of action going on out there. Over in Joyzee, of course. Now, we've completed all of it. Oh, listen, before I go any further on this, we've got to get this uh, poster thing settled here tonight once and for all. Don't call up and keep asking about the address of this, our big uh, TV poster, our show. And uh, incidentally, I'm going to continue to give you, this is an assignment, you will watch the debut of our television show, which is April the 11th at 8 p.m. on Channel 13. That is a, a direct order. I don't often give direct orders, but that is a direct order, April 11th, and that's Easter. We're going to lay our own little colored egg. It's uh, Easter, April the 11th on Channel 13. That's, a, that's an order. I'm sorry. I don't often make things that direct. And if you'd like to have one of our great groovy wild posters that were produced by PBS, this is Public Broadcasting Service, and it, believe me, they lose money on everyone they send out, I can assure you, just send your send a buck to Gene Shepard, Post Office Box 0, Boston, Mass, 02134. Quick. They're getting down to the end. No, they had a, an original run of 10,000, and this is about it. They're down at the end. Hey, did any of you get your poster yet? I'm curious. Did, did uh, you have one, haven't you? Yeah. Did you get yours, Marty? I'll get you one, yeah. Well, they're very special. You you have, uh, you know, if you have uh, infrared light, it lights up and says bad things, and it's pretty wild. But, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I apparently am the only guy that remembers this uh, scene with the bullet. My poor friend, my poor PR friend is still shaking. Uh, I think, though, that that's a dangerous joke to play on a guy. Really dangerous. I think it's wrecked his entire... It, it might put ideas into people's heads who didn't have ideas, you know, at the office before that. I could see them all sitting around laughing and yelling, you know, afterwards, and then finally Bullard says to Claggart in the front office, he says, Yeah, Claggart, you know, why, George, uh, you see how green he got? You know, maybe you ought to try it for real. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, you know, you wouldn't believe it. I bet he wouldn't believe it the second time we did it. <laughs> Let's try it for real tomorrow and see what happens, huh? Only instead of saying April Fool, we'd say, pick up your check. How about that, huh? <laughs> yeah, April Fool, yeah. <laughs>